stand it for a moment. Man, the presence is sweet tonight, isn't it? Can't you feel it? Man, God's good. I feel like the past few weeks, man, God's just been showing up and showing up individually for whatever you need. And that's an amazing thing that we have so many different backgrounds, so many different stories. Uh, so many people walked in here with so many different things. But the God that we serve knows you exactly. And he knows exactly what you need. And what you need may be different from the person right next to you. And that's why we serve this God, because we believe that he sees us, that he hears us, that he watches, that he knows. And so that's why we enter into a moment like tonight to give God an opportunity who knows us better than anybody else to speak to us, to challenge us, and change us. Are you ready for that? You can have a seat. Hug someone on your way down. Anybody in the house, it's your first time with us. Come on. Bro, what's your name? Josh. Josh, you going to the Red Conference next weekend? Have you signed up? All right, bro. You're buying tickets. All right, well, we're going to pay for you. So you come next week. We're going to pay for you, all right? Come find me afterwards. We'll take it out of Connor's paycheck. All the McDonald's he's eating, he can, he can hold off for a few weeks. Just kidding. I'm kidding. You look tan. You look great. Uh, man, anybody ready for some nice weather? Dear Lord. My goodness. Well, I'm excited for tonight. I hope that you are. Uh, my prayer tonight is that you walk out of here just filled with joy, filled with peace, uh, filled with and excitement for the future, excitement for what God has for you. And I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 14 tonight, verse 22. And it's a story in the Bible that you have heard a thousand times, but if you haven't gone to church before, maybe you've never heard it, but you probably have. Uh, but hopefully we can have a spin on it tonight that might speak to you individually. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, three of you, let's do it. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost. They said immediately, and they cried out. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Can I get an amen? amen? Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Anybody need the Lord to save you right now in your season of life? Come on. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Tonight I want to talk to you about how the life that you want may not be found in the safety of your boat. The life that you most desire may not be found in the safety of your boat. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for tonight. Man, I thank you for this ministry. God, I thank you for allowing me to be a part Lord, so grateful. Lord, I, I believe as our team has prayed and as we have um, 
petition to you to move. God, I believe, Lord, that as we seek you, we will find you. And God, we seek you tonight. And Lord, show your face tonight. We welcome your Holy Spirit, your presence here. And everybody says, amen. Amen. Give, give Scotty a, a clap of clap of praise. Love you, Scott. Man, we got some faithful volunteers in this church. Unreal. Question, any of you risk takers in here? Risk takers, okay. Wow, lots of you, okay. So we're nothing alike. I, I envy risk takers. I, I am absolutely not a risk taker. From being a very young boy, I have always been someone who has played it safe. Okay, I've never been a risk taker. I've always played it safe. I've always gone by the life motto that I'm going to watch you do it, and if you do it and don't die, then I might just try as well. <laughs> if my safety was not guaranteed, I was more likely to stand on the sideline and watch at a distance in, because I could control that, right? In, in my mind, control equals safety, and safety equals life, all right? So I've never been much of a risk taker, but whenever I moved out to Colorado, and I think some of you that, that aren't natives of Colorado, you can resonate with me. There's like this certain kind of pressure when you move to Colorado to be extreme and be outdoorsy. I don't know what it is. It's like, you know, go mountain biking, climb a mountain, ski, snowboard, buy a Subaru. I don't know. Be extreme. Don't take a shower. I don't know. kidding it's only if you're from boulder so, sorry i feel like i say one thing a week i said something last week too i say one thing a week where i walk i'm like dear lord what did i say that um uh, but whenever i first moved here because people didn't know me they would always push me to be outdoorsy and and I, I i was like you know if i can't guarantee my safety i'm not going to do what you're asking me to do but there was this one weekend i met this guy and he was a professional downhill mountain biker and I'm talking to him, and I'm acting very interested. It was interesting, but I'm acting probably more interested than I was. And, and I let this come out of my mouth, and I don't know why I did, but I said, dude, I would love to go with you sometime. <laughs> and he said, let's go this weekend. I said, dang it. Uh, I just moved here. I don't have any friends, so sure, I'll go with you. And, and, and I, I brought up to him the potential of death. And saying, I could die doing this. And he reassured me that everything would be just fine and that I would not die. This guy guaranteed in this moment, he guaranteed my safety. So I go up to Winter Park with this guy. And I'm driving in the car. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, I'm dying today. And, and I, I couldn't go back on it. So we get up to Winter Park. And we go to the place where you rent your bike and your helmet. And as I'm renting my bike and my helmet, they start suiting me up from head to toe with body armor. Like I'm going to fight Vikings. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, dear Lord, what am I getting into? You said that I was not going to die, that I would be okay, and now you have me set up for war. So I'm set up for war from head to toe. I have all my shin pads, shoulder pads on, helmet on, everything on. I have a neck brace on. And I get on the lift. I've never been on a lift before. And I get on this ski lift, and... As we're going up on this lift, I see people flying down the hill going like 4,000 miles an hour. And I, and I watch this one guy, this one guy, he hits something and he, and he slammed on his brakes and he flipped over and he literally scraped down the side of the mountain. 
And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, Lord, I'm dying. I got on my phone. I text my family. said, I love you. I care for you, but know today that I'm about to breathe my last. So we get to the top of the mountain, and he says, look, we're going to start you on the blues. And, and so me and all the rest of the seven-year-olds in Colorado, <laughs> we're, we're on the blues, and my first couple runs, I'm going down the hill, and, and, and I'm, you know, I'm holding on to the brakes pretty hard. I'm letting go, going, hold on to the brakes, because I could control that, right? And after a few runs, I started getting a little bit more comfortable and going down a little bit faster. But how many of y'all know that play it safers should not get comfortable, okay? We should stay within the safety and the comfort and the control of what we know. So I got a little bit more comfortable, and I go up to him in my cockiness. I'm like, yo, what's up, bro? I like the blues. Um... I think I'm ready for something else. What's next? He said, are you interested in doing a black diamond? I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty. Let's do that. Gosh. I don't know why we, us non-natives move here. It's beautiful, I guess. So I just decide that I have to do a full send. If I'm going to do this, I just got to go. So I, I, I'm going down this black diamond, and he goes, and he does, like, four front backflips and, like, is going down the mountain. And so I start gaining a lot of confidence, and I just go for it. I said, I just got to do it. I'm going to go. I'm a grown man. Okay, I got to get down this mountain. So I'm going down this mountain, going about 4,000 miles an hour, and I approach this thing called a berm. I think we have a picture of it. Okay. This is – I. I found this four years ago. This is the actual berm, okay, that I was approaching. This is in Winter Park. So what you're supposed to do with the berm is when you're approaching this going at full speed to die, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to lean into it and your momentum will wrap you around the berm and take you down the rest of the mountain. Well, no one told me about the berm. <laughs> so I am approaching this berm going as fast as I absolutely can and I literally go <laughs> I'm flying. I'm literally up in the air for so long, I'm like E.T., okay? My face was more of the kid in the red. <sighs> so I take this jump and, and I land so hard. And as I'm laying there in, with internal bleeding and a concussion and I'm dying, I have this moment where I said, I should have just played it safe. I should not have gone on this stupid bike ride. Like, I wish on earth that I would have just stayed home, and I wish that I would have played it safe. And I was thinking about it this week, and I think that when it comes to life, I think that a lot of us, most people, not all, but when it comes to life for a lot of us, we like to play it safe. So many people love to live within the safety of which they can control. Because if I play it safe, then I have a better chance of controlling my destiny. If I play it safe, then I put my life in my own hands and I can control my path and I can control what happens to me. It seems as though that a lot of us within the culture and the society that we live in, that we have been cultured for this kind of living and this kind of thinking. You see, we live in a society and culture that breeds 
anxiety and urges caution. Right, don't, don't we, we live in a society that, that, that urges caution and, and breeds anxiety. Right? Take this. Don't take that. Vaccinate. Don't vaccinate. Eat this. Don't eat that. Right? We live in a, in, in a culture that urges caution. Do this and you'll live. Don't do this and you will die. Come on. Right? Anybody? That's where we live. I mean, true. I mean, turn on your TV and you'll be hit with at least a half a dozen reasons why you should hunker down, feel afraid, play safe, hope for the best, but accept the worst, right? Like, every time I read the news, all I want to do is I want to take my three-year-old and wrap him up in bubble wrap and keep him at home until he's 32 years old. <laughs> we live in a world that feels unsafe, not just physically, but we live in a world that feels unsafe. And so because safety is one of the most basic human needs and basic human desires, in order for us to feel safe, what we do is we begin to control everything and everybody around us so that we can feel the safety that we so much desire. But you know as well as I do that it's more personal than this. It's more personal than just us kind of feeling the world outside of us feels a little bit of unsafe. You see, we've all had experience in life that have taught us that you should probably play it safe because if you play it safe, you can avoid hurt. If you play it safe, you can avoid embarrassment. If you play it safe, you can avoid disappointment or avoid regret. I mean, I've had this so many times in my life where I look back and I say, I wish that I would have played it safe because if I played it safe with that relationship, then I wouldn't be sitting in so much regret and shame. If I would have played it safe with that job, then I wouldn't be sitting in the financial struggle that I find myself in. If I would have played it safe and didn't move to that place, then I wouldn't be sitting here in, absolutely in absolute loneliness all the time. right? If I would have just played it safe, then fill in the blank. And for many of us, life lessons have taught you to play it safe or else. And because of that, before we take any type of risk, we want a guaranteed stamp on the box. That if I step out, if I take a risk, then life is going to work out the way that I want it to work out. And if we can't get that, then we're going to live in the safety and the control of what we know and what we understand. Hear me, though. That's fine and all when it comes to living in the world that we live in. But when it comes to God's purpose for your life, when it comes to God's destiny for your life, God does not develop us through the safety and the comfort of what we know and what we can control. See, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves treating our relationship with God the exact same way we treat our relationship with other people in the world around us. Safe and comfortable. For some reason, before we can do anything big for God, before we can take a step of faith with God, before we can hear from God and act and move, we want a guaranteed step on the box that if I step out, then God's going to come through for me and God's going to do what I want him to do. You see, this is the routine that so many Christians are headed for. It's the boring, the mundane, and quite honestly, the lifeless. But can I tell you that that is not the life that Jesus Christ came to this earth to give you? Then John 10, 10, I came so you may have life and life abundant. That God did not come to this life and come to this earth so that you may live a life that is boring, that is mundane, that is absolutely lifeless. You see, nowhere in the Bible is safety or comfort a virtue of God. Nowhere in the Bible is safety or comfort a virtue of one of those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. You see, if we're being really honest, though, many Christians, not all, 
But many Christians are stuck in the comfort and security of what they know and what they can control. Stuck in weak prayer lives. When they know God has called them to pray for more. When God has called them to seek and be persistent in your pursuit. Stuck in that relationship that you know for a long time. Yes, it has felt safe and comfortable. God has called you out of that. Stuck in your job when you know that God has put bigger dreams on your heart. Stuck in your finances when you know God has called you to be faithful with your finances and look for people to give to, to start tithing, to start looking for people to be generous to. So many Christians are just stuck surviving. Hear me, though. We will never experience the fullness of what Jesus Christ came to give us by surrendering to safety. You see, when you look at your life, when you look at your story, when you look at your relationship with Jesus Christ and what he has called you to, I have a question for you. Does your life, is it filled with safety or is it filled with faith? Is it filled with safety or is it filled with faith? Because both are very different. You see, the story that I read earlier about this guy named Peter, he stepped out of what was comfortable and stepped into something new that God was calling him to. And some background to this story of Peter. I love Peter. He's great, man. He's awesome. Jesus and his disciples had just been doing ministry. And they were traveling from town to town. And Jesus was preaching a new message and healing people. And it was an amazing thing that Jesus was doing right before this story. Jesus had just performed the miracle of turning five loaves of bread and two fish and feeding them into to five thousand people by the faith of a, a little boy right and then he's calling a old man to faith right and so there's this moment where Jesus is with his disciples and they have this next town to get to and so they have to cross over the sea of Galilee and and Jesus sends his disciples by boat and sends them across the sea and Jesus says I'm going to go up to a mountaintop to pray I will meet you guys at your next destination so this is where the story picks up the disciples are out, fast forward a few hours, the disciples are out in the middle of the lake or the sea, whatever it was, and it's about 3 o'clock in the morning, and it says that they were quite a considerable distance from the shore, so they're about three miles away from the shore while Jesus is up on the mountaintop to pray. Now Jesus, I think that he fell asleep while he was praying because he's human, he's just like all of us. Just kidding, Jesus didn't fall asleep while he was praying. But Jesus has this moment where he thinks, oh, snap, that was my only ride to the next town. So I somehow got to catch up to these guys and get to the next town. And so Jesus goes down the mountain, and he's sitting at the shore, and he's like, man, I, I lost my jet ski. I don't know someone took it. Um, <laughs> Judas took my jet ski. <laughs> and he, he, he has... He has nowhere to go and nowhere to get there. And so he's like, he's talking with God and the Holy Spirit. He said, maybe I'll just walk. And so Jesus just starts swag. He just starts walking. <laughs> so Jesus begins to walk on water. And I picture him having this conversation with God and the Holy Spirit and saying, how funny would it be if I scared the disciples and just walked out to him? <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't think that actually happened, but maybe, maybe. So he's walking out to the disciples and it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and the disciples are sitting there, and they see this figure walking to them. And it says that they are terrified, and they scream out, it's a ghost! 
I mean, could you imagine being out on Chatfield Reservoir, the thing you guys call lake out here in Colorado? <laughs> Sorry, I know. Come on. Midwest, we have lakes. All right, give me something. <laughs> you see this figure walking towards you, and so it says that the disciples cry out, it's a ghost, and it says that Jesus immediately says to them, he sees that they're scared, and he says, take courage, it is I. And one of the disciples yells back, who is I? Show yourself. <laughs> so it says, says, take courage, it is I. And then Peter's sitting in the boat, and it says that Peter yells back to Jesus, he says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out to you on the water. Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out to you on the water. I feel like we have that one friend who always says the wrong thing at the wrong time. <laughs> Nudge that friend if that's them. <laughs> the disciples are sitting there like, Peter, shut up. No, it's a ghost out there. Peter, do not talk to it. Stay in the boat. But Peter says, Lord, if it is you, call me out into the waters. Peter says this audacious statement, call me out. And in verse 29, Jesus says one word back to him. He says, come. He says, come on out. Peter, if you want, come on out. See, at this moment, Peter is at a crossroads. He's at a crossroads. Do I stay within the safety and the comfort of the boat and what I know, or do I step out into the unknown? Do I step out into the mystery? Do I, do I step out to the calling that Jesus has placed on my life? Jesus says, come on out. And I picture Peter in this moment, sitting there as Jesus is calling him out, and he's like, man, Jesus, that's, a, that's awesome. Jesus, thank you. Uh, thank you for responding to me. Um, it's super enticing, but I don't know if you can see. It's, it's, a, little, it's a little dark out here. Uh, the water's a little bit murky. I watched Shark Week last week, and uh, I don't know. Like, Jesus, thank you so much for responding to me. Thank you for, for inviting me out into the waters with you. But, Jesus, can you put a guarantee that I'm going to be okay? Like, Jesus, if I step out, can you guarantee that if I step out into the waters that I will be okay? You see, how many of us love to make these type of statements, but pray the answer is something that fits in with our desired comfort or the thing that we can control? Like, God, call me. God, use me. If you, whatever you want me to give, I'll give. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. God, I'll serve. God, I'll leave that job. God, I'll move. God, I'll leave that relationship. God, whatever you want me to do, God, call me. Just use me. I'm your broken vessel. And then God gives you an answer, and the answer doesn't quite fall in line with the thing that makes you feel safe. It actually makes you feel the opposite. It scares you. It makes you question everything. You say, well, God, can you guarantee, though, that if I actually step out, that you're going to move? Can you guarantee that if I step out from that job, that I'm not going to find myself in financial issues? Can you promise that if I step away from that relationship, that I won't be alone the rest of my life? God, can I trust you that if I step out, that you will respond to me? You see, we want a guarantee from God, but you know what? Peter didn't have a guarantee. Peter actually had the opposite. Remember, Peter was a fisherman. 
From a very early age, Peter was surrounded by water. It's a very logical and rational thought that Peter had that if you step out into water, you fall into the water. Right? It was a very logical and rational thought. You see, for Peter to step out, what did it take? For Peter to step out, it didn't take him knowing what would take place. It didn't take him knowing the circumstances. It didn't take him knowing all the answers. It took Peter 100% faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for. What we hope for. Not what we know. Not what we can understand and being convinced of what we do not see. Faith is not what we can see. Faith is not what we can understand. Faith is not what we know. You see, faith is having complete trust or confidence in someone. Faith is saying that I believe you are who you say you are. Faith is saying I believe you'll do what you said you'll do. Faith is saying I believe that as I step out, you will step in. I may not see it, but I believe it. I may not know it, but for some reason I trust it. Faith is saying I believe that as I move, you will move. You see, a relationship with Jesus, understand this, is countercultural. Therefore, faith is countercultural. Faith goes against everything you know. The logical, most rational thought that you have, faith goes against that. You see, Peter knew something that in order to get God like results, you need to take God like steps. And God like steps are steps of faith. With a guarantee, there is no room for faith. Do you hear me? With a guarantee, there's no room for faith. So the story continues in verse 29. It says, Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. You see, when it comes to our lives, it's easy to live life safe. It's easy to live life in a box. It's easy to live life with parameters. In other words, it's easier to live life inside the boat. Can I get an amen that sometimes it's just flat out easier to live within the safety of what we can control. Sometimes it's just easier to live life inside the boat where there's parameters, where there's a box, where I'm safe and I know exactly what's going to happen. But understand something, the longer you live in the boat, the more you miss out on God's destiny for your life. Look, can, can you still have a relationship with Jesus and live life inside the boat and still have a great life? Absolutely. I still believe that you can have a moment with God. I still believe that you can hear from God. I still believe that you can have a beautiful relationship with God. But that John 10.10 life that he came to bring you will not happen within the safety and the confines of the boats. You want more? Step out and seek more. Faith is a choice. Faith is active. Faith is so saying that I know I don't see it, I know that I don't feel it, but I know that God has called me. Faith is a persistent pursuit of Jesus Christ. You see, this is my favorite part of the story. Peter steps out in faith, and he begins walking on water. I mean, he's like, you know what, fellas, look at me, I'm walking. Come on. Connor, I like that. I heard you, I heard you giggle. You good? 
Peter steps out in faith and he starts walking on water. And he realizes that everything around him is crashing around him. The, the water, the waves. And it says that he takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to sink. But the story says that immediately Jesus reaches out and grabs his hand and pulls him onto the boat. And so you have this scene now where it's Jesus on the boat. Peter is soaking wet. And 11 disciples are like, what the heck just happened? And Jesus has this moment with Peter that on the onset I think seems pretty harsh. He looks at Peter and he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt me? You of little faith, why did you doubt me? Now I read that and that frustrates me. Because Peter did something that no one else has ever done. He walked on water. And Jesus still seems to rebuke him. But you see, I believe that Jesus, and here this is important. I believe that Jesus was trying to teach him a lesson. That when you step out in faith, no matter what's happening around you, you keep the faith. When you step out in faith, no matter what's happening, no matter what you feel, no matter if the emotions match up with the emotion you felt when you first stepped out in faith, no matter what, keep the faith. Because Jesus knew that Peter one day would start the church. Jesus knew that Peter one day would preach in front of 3,000 people and they would all accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You see, Jesus was trying to teach Peter a lesson that in this moment, you haven't begun to see what you're about to go through. And I need you to trust that as you step out in faith, as you walk out blindly, and as you keep your eyes on me, that you have to keep your faith. Because if you don't keep your faith, you're going to constantly wander. And you're going to constantly be frustrated. And you're going to constantly be bitter at God because you stepped out in faith and he didn't do for you what you thought that he was going to do. See, there's some of you in here tonight where this year you have taken massive steps of faith. You moved here from another state just trusting that God had something new for you. You left the relationship. You left the job. You had your moment of faith. But it feels like the, all of a sudden, the second you stepped out in faith, you feel like God has forgotten about you. You feel like everything around you is sinking. And you find yourself constantly frustrated because you feel like, I thought I heard from you, God. I thought I heard from you. And I walked out in obedience. And now all I'm feeling is oppressed. All I'm feeling is opposition. All I'm feeling is negativity surrounding my life. And I stepped out. Can I encourage you, though, to keep the faith? Can I encourage you tonight to keep the faith? You see, I think sometimes we might feel like we fail when it comes to our faith. People think that failing means missing God, but in reality, failing is often the first step to discovering God. We feel like we fail, so we miss God. No, every time you take a step of faith, it is a step towards you discovering and knowing and seeing and understanding God to the fullest. You see, Peter may have seemed to fail, but who was closer to Jesus? Peter or the disciples? We read this story and think, how did Peter lose faith? Jesus was right in front of him. Well, at least Peter got out of the boat. There's 11 other disciples who were sitting within the confines of the boat. You see, most Christians in our world, 
currently and probably for the rest of their lives potentially, will live their life just like the other disciples living inside the safety and the comfort of the boat because they can control that. Can I tell you something? That you are never closer to Jesus than when you take a step of faith. Because when you take a step of faith, you are now dependent on God. And if you're dependent on God, you have to trust on God. And where there's trust, there is intimacy. And that's what we all want is intimacy with our Lord and Savior. Where there's no trust, there's no intimacy. If we do not depend, we do not trust. And if we don't take a step of faith, then we'll never feel the need to depend on Jesus. Do you see how that works? See, many of you are in here today, and you would define your life when it comes to Jesus, maybe not the world around you, but when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, you would define your life as pretty comfortable, pretty safe. But you know deep down inside that the Lord has been calling you, challenging you, pushing you, convicting you. To put your trust and faith in him and step out your boat. My question to you is, what's keeping you in your boat? What is it? Is it insecurities? Is it you feel like no one will support you? That people will judge you? Is it you're just flat out scared? Is it that you feel at one point maybe you put your hope in Jesus and it didn't turn out quite how you wanted? All of us have some kind of reason why when we feel like God is calling us out and calling us into something new, that we want to stay within the confines and the safety of our boat. Ben, you can come on up. This week I was, it's funny, I, I was writing this message and I decided I want to write this message and I was like, I can't wait to preach this to them. I feel like some of them need it. And then God's like, you need it, sucker. It's the worst. Oh my gosh. I love reading the Bible on other people's behalf. It makes me feel better about myself. I was thinking about this, this concept about faith and stepping out, and I was thinking about all the times in my life that I've stepped out in faith or me and my wife stepped out in faith together. I was also reminded of the many times that um, I didn't trust God and I didn't step out in faith, which is about 50-50 in my life. I was reminded of the time of when I was a lost 21-year-old I just graduated college. I had no vision for my life, and I felt like God told me to pack my bags and move out here. And I packed my bags, and I moved into Chad Brugman's basement, and I was a janitor here. I remember the step of faith I took whenever I was pursuing my now wife, and God was like, she's the one for you. And I was scared out of my mind. I took a step of faith. I was reminded of the time that me and my wife felt called to give more than we had in our bank account. 
And we did it. I was reminded of the time when my life was in the worst place ever and I walked into Sean Johnson's office and I told him everything about my life, not knowing what the turnout would be of that conversation, but I took a step of faith. I remember taking a step of faith with my wife when we weren't in a great place and we decided to get counseling together. I dropped my pride. For the first time admitted, I'm not the man or the husband that I, I want to be. The step of faith that I've took to let people into my shame and my darkness Even a step of faith that I've taken in this past season to, I've been a youth pastor for almost nine years and I moved on from all that and walked into something new. And can I tell you, more days than not, there's days where I, I, I question God. And as I've taken steps of faith, I've questioned God, was this really what I was supposed to do? But every time that I've taken a step of faith or I feel like God has called me to take a step of faith, I'm always met with this question. Andrew, what do you desire more, safety or faith? Control or faith? What is it that you desire more? You see, there's some of you in here today who find yourself asking these same questions. And you felt on your heart for a long time like God is tugging on your heart and your soul. And he's asking you to take a step of faith. Now, can I hear, can I tell you, a step of faith isn't some giant, I'm going to move my entire life. A step of faith for you might be picking up the phone and calling your dad and forgiving him. A step of faith for you may be putting money in the offering basket tonight, money that you need. God's calling some of you to take a step of faith to walk away from an unhealthy relationship. God's calling you to take a step of faith and walk away from that job that's financially stable and do an internship. For some of you, God's calling you to take a step of faith and stay exactly where you're at. All these dreams, all these things I want to do, God's like, no, your biggest step of faith will just be trusting me where you're at right now. Because there's a process that precedes my promise. You know Maybe no one else knows, but God is calling you to take a step of faith. And you're in here, and you literally feel like you are standing on the edge of your boats. And back here is all your safety and your comfort and your control. But can I tell you something? That out there is where the peace is at. Out there is where the joy is at. Out there is the solution to your relationship issue out there is the breakthrough to your addiction out there is salvation out there is the one who controls your destiny out on the waters is Jesus and he's calling you in but Andrew what if I take a step of faith and I don't know what's going to happen you know what neither do I but I'll tell you something you won't know steps three four and five until you take steps one or two Oh, Andrew, but if I step out, can I get a guarantee? No! 
You can't. But you know what? What I can guarantee you is the promises of God. I can guarantee you that God loves you. I can guarantee you that God will never leave you nor forsake you. That he'll work out all things for the good of those who are called and according to his purpose. That God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. See, look. God will never guarantee you the end result. But God does guarantee that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he sees you, that he hears you, that he understands you. My final thought is, you know what? Peter stepped out of the boat and the other disciples didn't. At least Peter got out of the boat, but you know what? At least the other 11 disciples got in the boat. There was thousands of people who Jesus just preached to who were standing on the shores. And there's some of you in here tonight where your biggest step of faith will just be getting in the boat with Jesus. Where you've been sitting on the shore for a long time. Where you've been coming to church for a while. You've, you've read the stuff. You've done the podcast. You've talked to your friends about Jesus. But you have been on the shore for a long time wondering if you want to engage in this journey with Jesus. And I ask you this question. What's keeping you on the shore? What's keeping you of jumping into this journey with Jesus Christ and experiencing the fullness of what he came to offer you? We have our conference next week. And I know Connor talked about it. I'll, I'll, I'll be done in 30 seconds. A minute. And we're calling the Red Conference, I Believe. And the whole thought of the conference is I'm believing as I step out, God will step in. Look, literally for the past, I think, seven days, and we have five more days, it'll be 12 days total, our staff and our volunteers have been doing 24 hours of prayer. So at any time when you wake up in the middle of the night, no matter where you're at, know that there is somebody praying for that conference and praying for you. We haven't missed one time. For 12 days, for 24 hours. And we have a list of every single person who's coming. And I myself have by name been praying for every single person that's in front of me. Praying and believing for you. And outside, you, you'll, you'll see as, as you walk out those doors, we're calling it, it's a, just this giant statement wall. It's this giant black wall that says, I believe on it. And our staff has already gone and written the things that we're believing for our own lives, that we're believing for the conference, we're believing for other people. And I want to encourage you after worship to go out there and write on that wall what it is that you're believing for. What it is that you want to have faith for. What it is that you're trusting that as I step out, God's going to step in. Now it may look different than I want it to, but I'm trusting that he's good. And I'm trusting that he loves me. And I'm trusting Will you stand with me? God, I thank you for everyone present in this place. A couple questions.
heads bowed, eyes closed. First question is this, as you're in here tonight, and you're saying, Andrew, the second you start talking about faith, taking a step of faith, living in our boat, that's me. And you know God is calling you tonight, not tomorrow, but tonight, to take a step of faith with him. If that's you, would you slip up your hand all across this place? Wow. Wow. whole bunch of us. whole bunch. You can put your hands down. Second question is this. Is that that final statement that I talked about, that you're living on the shore, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and your first step of faith ever will be stepping into relationship with him. And you don't fully know it, but you have this new hope inside your heart and your soul, and you want to respond to it. You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ tonight, but you're saying, you know what, Andrew, I want to start that. If that's you and you, would you slip up your hand? Lord, we thank you so much for tonight, God. We give you tonight. We worship you with all that we have. And everybody at Young Adults said, amen. Let's worship.